Hey guys, I know you're not used to hearing my voice first. This is Chi from the Chi and Khalil Show. This episode begins a two-part series on a controversial topic in many communities and even in the Black community. Some of the content may be triggering, so consider this a trigger warning, especially for those who have been victims of physical child abuse, violence in the home, or violence at the hands of a parent, adult, or some figure in authority. We also want to give acknowledgement to Dr. Sandra Patton, author of Spare the Kid, whose research in the area of corporal punishment, especially as it relates to Black communities, is second to none. Hello, everybody. We're back with the Chi and Khalil show. My name's Khalil. This is my girl, Chi. Hey! So what we're going to talk about today is corporal punishment, a.k.a. beating your kids, also known as spanking, physical abuse. Um, whooping, whatever. There's a lot of different words that are used. Blocking, spanking. Spanking is the worst. <laughs> so all of them res- refer to using physical violence towards children um, in an effort to have them change their behavior or somehow make them better off. So one term that's important that we're that is the basic theme of violence towards children is uh, something called adult supremacy. We think as adults we have rights and children don't have those same rights. There's this theory that adults are all powerful over children and children don't have the basic same rights as adults do. We're going to ask you to do what Drew Brees had to do, which was analyze what he thought about America, what he thought it was, and actually have to stop and think and realize that it's the exact opposite. So we're going to ask you about what, how you're disciplining your kids, whether you're beating your kids, whether your parents beat you, what that relationship actually meant to you when you were a child and actually means to your children now, because it's not what you think it is. The words we use are important in this because um, it meets the definition of violence because you are physically touching them to cause harm. Mm. And that is where we have to actually start the conversation because a lot of people are like, oh, well, you're not actually hurting them. Well, if you're not hurting them, then there's no reason to touch them. So you have Mm. to realize that you are causing physical pain and that's what you're using to try to change behaviors. And using making up euphemisms makes us feel better about the situation, but it's not a realistic term, in my opinion. Yeah, no, you're right. As soon as you create other terms for violence, you're, you're just basically telling yourself a lie, right? So like, it's violent. You're beating your child, you're hitting your child, you're spanking your child. All of it is the same action, trying to, like you said, change behavior and giving it nice, pretty words is not gonna, is not gonna change the impact or the effect that it has on a child or even on you as the adult who is, who is perpetrating. Wasn't it Shakespeare who wrote, a rose by any other name is still a rose? Hitting a child by any other name is still hitting a child. You went real deep with that one, Shane. I, I did. I, did. <laughs> I know that was a little too early, but you know, let's, let, let's, let's ease them into this, <laughs> you know? So, um, a lot of us has probably heard from our parents, I made you, um, you belong to me, like you're my child, I can do what I want to you. I own you, you know, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. Um, Okay, wait, that last one. (laughs) Yes, I agree. (laughs) 
but see, it still makes me laugh, sadly. Well, <laughs> I remember that, what he, I remember when Dr. Huxtable said it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like it's on all our sitcoms, right? It's yes. a common joke yes. on sitcoms. Like, oh, and we think that's normal. And there's no other group of people besides children mm. that we think it's okay to subject them to violence, right? Right. Um, other than black people, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, like you know, so the last actual group of people in society where we think it's good to to be violent to our children and they're the most vulnerable group because they're not really in positions of power in any situation it's almost like children don't have the opportunity let me use that word the opportunity to just be children right at all dr stacy patton um, who runs an organization called spare the kids um, who's written several articles she goes around touring um, she's written books on the subject, um, and a lot of what we're drawing from is coming from her work, and I just want to give her a shout-out because she's an amazing person. It's a very unpopular topic. She's taking a very unpopular stance, and i just like to thank her for getting out and getting the actual science out about the topic. She, I think, does it in such a unique way that I haven't seen anywhere else or read anywhere else that I think is super enlightening. So, yeah, shout-out to her because... Uh... I, in fact, I, I think she sounds like me sometimes. <clears throat> <laughs> well, you just, so gave her an amazing, I, you just gave her an amazing compliment, I think. I know, right? Thank you. Thank you, Stacey Patton. Dr. Stacey Patton, thank you very much. <laughs> but no, absolutely, absolutely amazing work. Okay. All right. So one of the things that she talks about is basically the, the whitest thing you can do is hit your Black children. Mm. And mm. that sounds strange to most of us. We haven't thought about it. Um, but if you think about it, most Black Americans learn the practice of beating children from slave masters, from police officers, from other people in society who constantly attack Black bodies. Wait, um, wait, 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 pause. So you, you mean to tell us those of us who are listening, that this idea of beating children is something that we're learning from society. It's not something that that we are innately or culturally developed over time. <laughs> no. So what I was <laughs> yes. So yes and no. I forgot what that actual question was. So no, we did not learn this from mm-hmm. our West African roots. If you right. actually go back to West Africa before colonialism, there wasn't this really harsh physical abuse of children. That mm. is something that was brought in by colonizers. And mm. that's what we need to decolonize ourselves with because when they raised their kid that, that way, they made really super violent people and they're still super violent. So anyways, um, <laughs> one of the things that bothers me the most when I have this conversation mm. um, with black people, and it doesn't matter if the level of education, I've had this with other doctors, pediatricians, et cetera, mm-hmm. they'll say, you know, timeout's okay for white kids, but that's not gonna work on black kids. Oh my gosh, I hate that. I effing hate that. I would start cursing up a storm right now. Like, <laughs> no, that is, that, yeah, keep at it, keep, it, keep right. going, keep going. And this is, this is not the horseshoe effect of people on different political spectrums coming together. Right. This is white supremacy coming out of your mouth, saying mm. that black bodies need mm. to be controlled violently. If you read the Confederacy and why they went to war against it, they said the 
that the natural position of the African is to be subjugated by the European and we have to beat them to make them straight, to make them realize their place and to give them some kind of decency. And maybe after generations of beating them, they'll improve. And doesn't that sound like the same stuff that adults say to kids? Like literally everything you just said. But sometimes I'm like, how is this still a thing? Like, how is it that you think it's okay to hit a kid? And you have to realize that if you were hit as a child, you think it's normal. Yeah. Mm. So Mm. you think it's normal. And the other thing that people say is like, oh, well, I ended up okay. So number one, I'm not saying you're a horrible person because yeah, you might, you, you are maybe a functional adult, um, but everything that happened in your childhood wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Right. And you may have overcome a lot of other adversities, not just this one, and still made it out functional, but doesn't mean that the beatings actually helped you. And the other thing is that it definitely harmed you because you think that physically assaulting children is good. So I can't say that you came out unscathed because you still have this really twisted idea in your mind that violence toward a defenseless child is somehow going to help the child. Hmm. And, and I mean, over centuries, has it? Has that, has that, <laughs> has that helped us any? Well, I mean, I like mean... even, do you remember the Freddie Gray um, protests? Oh, yes. And there was a yes, mom who pulled their child out of the protest mm. and hit him on camera. And everyone's like, oh, yes, this is great yep. that she's controlling her child. And the fucking chief of police yep. said, if more parents did that, then we wouldn't have to. He literally said, if black people beat their kids more often, the police wouldn't have to beat them so much. And this was a black male police chief who said this. And it wasn't like a gotcha account. Like, he was proud of the statement. It was like Joe Biden's, like, you ain't black statement. Like, he was so proud of himself. He was like, yeah, drop the mic. You know, this is perfect. Well, of course he was proud of himself because he's honoring what his parents did to him, what their parents did to him, and what their parents did to those parents. Like, it's just... And he's honoring what he does now, which is beat black people in the street as a police officer. Admitting that. (laughs) Admitting that. That link, that link between, you know, corporal punishment and how black bodies are brutalized black people human beings are brutalized by these institutions in this country is not a weak one like it's literally it's so strong it is so strong that you can have as you said this police chief come and admit (laughs) that if we do violence and harm to our own kids then they law enforcement they this institution in america that is is racist af (laughs) <laughs> wouldn't have to do the job for them. If that is not damning evidence that baby parents should hold that belt, hold that paddle, hold whatever it is and not use it, hold that stick and not use it on their child, I don't know what is. Parents, you do the beating for us so we don't have to. And yet, and yet, and yet in 2020, just last week, another unarmed black man was brutally murdered by the police. I guess then his parents didn't beat him enough. Is that what you're going to tell me, y'all? Right. All right. So we're going to go through a lot of the reasons that people claim or think that this is a good idea. So one is that people claim that kids don't understand logic. So you can't have a logical discussion with a kid to get him to stop doing what he's doing. So you got to hit him. (laughs) So, so my one, it, 
hitting kids does change their behavior that second. It makes them stop doing whatever they're doing because they're oh, scared. immediately. Right. But, but that's actually, just because of the pain. Right. But if you actually look at long-term outcomes of who gets in trouble the most, who's more likely to end up going to juvenile hall, who's more likely to be in dysfunctional relationships, who's more likely to actually become a successful person, mm-hmm. the more violence that you is inflicted on you when you're a child, the less likely you are to be a functional adult. On, on every single level of measurement of behavior, it always long-term is worse to hit your child. And there's actually... Like people say like, oh, well, kids just aren't neurologically developed. Yeah. So when you hit a kid who's not neurologically developed, you create actually in a, cor- a hyper cortisol response, a stress exactly. response. And the kids actually can't develop emotionally or physically after that. So it's silly to say that if you have a kid who can't understand logic that and process what's right or wrong, how are they going to process their caregiver, their parent, the person who's supposed to love them, hitting them? Mm-hmm. Like, how mm-hmm. is their brain supposed to process that? Yeah, you're, it's like you're asking the child to be an adult and at the same time be a child. It's impossible. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. You can't help it. I mean, and you're absolutely right. I mean, for folks who are looking at um, when you're talking about the physiology, the, the, the stress response, right? Everybody knows this from post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Um, and also, what, post-traumatic slavery disorder? I mean, like, remember, like, <laughs> like that's some serious trauma that happened on folks. It, it's the same thing. Go to war. It's the same thing. When you, especially as a child, when you are a child and your brain is developing, the moment that your brain experiences, your body, your brain experiences trauma, it arrests to the point where it's near impossible, aside from therapy, to be able to get over that hump. For instance, you're five years old and that's when you start beating your child. At that point, they have learned how to process life a certain way. If that trauma is deep enough or minor enough, it will impact how they see life going forward. Just imagine, it's like you have a a road that you're trying to pave, right? It's not paved yet, it's still gravel. You start laying the tar, right? If you change the tar (laughs) that you're laying at a certain point, the rest of the road is going to be different. Even if that road is still going to the same place that it was supposed to from the very beginning, it's going to look different, act different, be different because the point of trauma changes everything and it's cumulative. So it's not just one beating. Oh, it was just one time I hit him. Oh, I slapped him. Oh, it was just a little pop on the head. All these little euphemisms that we like to use. That one is enough, but oh, keep doing it over time. Right. Keep doing it over time and see what happens to your kid. You're going to say, oh, but I was raised reasonably. You know what? I came out okay. Like Khalil said earlier. No, what? You did not come out okay because you still can't <laughs> talk about it honestly and be vulnerable in a space where, man, that ish was fucked up. Anyway. It's normalized. Yeah, it's normalized to you. Like you think that is just normal. So you think when someone wrongs you, you're supposed to physically assault them. That's right. why kids who get hit get in more fights at school. Yes. Um, kids who get hit get are charged with more assault. Kids who get hit are more likely to be domestic abusers or domestic abusees. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, yeah, it's, it's you think that people, either people who love you hurt you or you're supposed to hurt the people that you love when they make you upset. Right. Uh, either way, it makes for 
non-functioning adults. And it makes most adults have to have a really, whether you realize it or not, you you have to fix yourself before you can function in adult society. Because yeah. otherwise you're constantly worried about random attacks. So you, when people might do something to you, you you're on an elevated level of defensiveness. Mm-hmm. So you assume that they're assaulting you and rea- yes. overreact to it. Oh, I, I have the perfect story to go with that. Where, so I'm in, um, this is when I was in conservatory. So in my first year of conservatory, we had an instructor who, whom I love, and we were talking about breath and anxiety and how stress and anxiety impacts our breathing patterns. And over time, if you're somebody who's been traumatized a lot over time, you develop this new pattern of breathing that that you think is normal but with every respect, like scientific, physiologic, it's not, you know, you're always shallow, you're, all, you're always yeah. um, never breathing deeply. And you find it scary, so scary to breathe that you're willing to hold your breath at the end of your exhale, just so that you have a little bit in reserves, just in case something comes at you and you need to expel or express something um, to defend yourself. I don't know if that's being if that's being clear. Imagine going through your life, and you might not even know this, but I'm gonna say that right now. Relax your shoulders. See, you didn't know you had your shoulders up by your ears, did you? Right? It's the same thing with that breathing. You didn't know that you were holding your breath until you let it go. And for people who have suffered this kind of trauma, it is impacting your breathing and your breath, your very the very thing that's gonna help you get out in the world and be right. grounded is impacted by the fact that you have been beaten, but you don't know it because you didn't realize it. Now we're telling you it's happening to your body. Anyway, that's not even the personal story. I don't even know where I got to the, the breathing <laughs> thing. Ah, it's because it was the same instructor. This same instructor in Okalil, this is, this is this is so sad. It's so sad because I've already lived on, on this earth enough decades to know when somebody is trying to give me a high five. We were sitting in class in a circle And maybe we were sharing some vulnerable things. I don't know. You know how actors do. Um, And I said something that apparently everybody was in agreement agreement with. And my instructor stands up quickly and and comes over to give me a high five. But because he's taller, he's coming down at me. Right. And I instinctually just raised my hands and, and, and moved. Like, I, I didn't want him to, like, because I, I literally thought, I don't know where it came from, but I thought he was going to hit me. Right. And he stopped and he was like, what? what, what? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to hit me. He was like, why would I do that to you? I kept my mouth shut. I was like, mm, wow, I guess I was trained well. You know, like, that's, but see how, see how um mm-hmm. subconscious that was and quick. And that's not even... That's not like, oh, somebody's about to punch you, raise your fit, your arms up, you know, like, right. duh, like, okay, fine. This is like in a normal environment, somebody's coming mm-hmm. to give you a high five. And the first thing you're thinking is they're trying to beat you. Yep. That's not cool. And I guarantee <laughs> you there are many other people who have experienced similar things who will not admit it. But let me tell you where that came from. That came from your childhood. Somebody did something to you, whether it was your parent, an adult caregiver, or even some kid who was bigger than you, bullying you, made you feel less than. It sticks with you. Even after all the therapy, your body remembers. That's the other thing, Khalil. 
your body remembers and you're asking a child to remember things that it should not have to remember for the rest of its life. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, so when I was in my twenties, <laughs> um, I realized that I just had this like unfounded animosity for every male my dad's age. Hmm. Any male my dad's age, I automatically was angry with. Um, And it took me a long time to realize why. And I realized because I just was just associating with my dad. And I was just angry about it and defensive and assuming Mm. that they were going to harm me. Mm. And mind you, my dad and his thinking thought that hitting kids is the greatest thing ever. And that's the only way to raise kids. And that's the only thing. And blah, 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 blah. That's the only reason that he ended up okay because his dad hit him, et cetera, et cetera. And you became a doctor because your dad right. hit you. Exactly. Um, How is that? Yeah. And I had, yeah. Well, anyways, I had to, I had to tell him about himself one time. It was actually where someone brought up Freddie Gray, and I was like, no, that was like the most most disgusting thing ever. There's no good from coming hitting kids. And he actually stopped, and he never told that story about bragging about hitting kids anymore. Wow. Um, Look at but, that. But it was just... It was just, yeah, it's just, anyways, it's still, I'm probably still haven't actually worked through the whole thing yet, but there's so many other parts of like relationships, like for yes. most of my life, like every time I was mad with someone, I wanted to like harm them. So what I would do mm-hmm. is I kind of like just pull away and not talk or yep. whatever, because you felt that whenever someone does something that upset you, you're supposed to harm them in some way yes. Yes. or like people are doing things they are purposely trying to harm you, et cetera. Right. Um, and you just, just develop these ideas of people that that don't really that's not based in reality. Like you right. start to see adults a certain way. Mm-hmm. Even as an adult, you still look at adults this, a certain way. It's it's because of this link to to slavery that we'll get into in a second. It's like we're taught from an early age. This is how this is how we get you in line. So of course, when you go into the corporate world regardless of whatever industry that's still ingrained in your head on some level that if you don't behave you will be hurt or harmed in some way isn't that how we've been able to keep more or less silent for how many decades even if we were out there protesting we still needed to keep our job four years ago people were talking about needing to keep their job when colin kaepernick said i'm getting down on a knee (laughs) now you know four four years later five years later we've got some young kids saying well you ain't even giving me security in this society so i'm not going to take the bs that's happening in the corporate world i don't believe it like we cannot uh, just to reiterate what you've already said we cannot believe that children will understand that somehow violence will make them better because it's not it's never going to it's not going to change their behavior it's just going to make them more scared of you or scared of themselves and unable to trust their own ability to make decisions, which is what we really want for kids, right? To be able to have some sense of autonomy and believe in themselves and trust in themselves. They're not gonna get that if every mistake that they make is meted with some violent measure on the part of somebody who says they love them. I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I think we need to stay up on our soapbox. No, because I mean, it's seriously like it's it's one of these things that how in 2020 is it still okay to use violence against kids? Why do we still not even call it violence? Like, why is this? Why is it so popular? And people are still holding on to this belief. Like, 
really like this visceral feeling of no, 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 no. I have to hit my kids. Yeah. Another thing that is weird is like, okay, so eventually your kids are going to become adults, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And at this point, all the information, like there is no scientific argument about whether hitting kids improves outcomes or not. It's always bad. There's no yes. good, there's no good time to do it like ever. So you have the information. So when your child is an adult and they ask you, hey, dad, hey, mom, like you knew that this theory, this stuff was out there, right? And you chose to hit me anyways. Like yeah. you knew it could be harmful. Yeah. And you were like, well, I just know what my parents did. So you still chose to hit me. Like, how are you going to have that conversation with your adult child? I don't know. I don't know. I, I would never be able to have that conversation with my son. Uh, p- parents, adults, it, it's painful to see that what happened to them was bad. They have right. to justify it in order for them to be able to do it to their own kids. And the right. second that is questioned, then they have to question themselves. And people aren't ready to look at themselves and see what they denied of their own experience, what they denied of their children's experience as they were watching what they were doing to their child, what they've repressed. And because of that, they may even get more angry. You're right. making me do this. You know? <laughs> right. You're, 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 if you just behave, and it's like, um, I'm sorry. Um, I'm just a kid. Can you show me the way to go? You don't have to beat right. me into that, into submission. I love you already. Why, why, why can't we just love our kids? And why can't our kids just love us? Why does there have to be violence in the midst of that? And, and, and I'll say this. I feel like the media plays a role too. Like the media is one of those spaces that gives that message. By media, I'm including the entertainment industry. I'm including what we see on the news every night. Violence is glorified in this country to, sure. to the point where like, I mean, rated PG movies are acting like rated <laughs> R now. Like and just every year, it gets worse, right? Like parental right. guidance is suggested. What's suggested? Because parents are being just as violent to their kids as the violence that we see on, on the screen every day, whether to people or to peoples, whole communities, othering other people. That mentality is so othering other people. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'm gonna use that one before. (laughs) It's so indoctrinated into our society, into into our very culture, that to step back and be different is considered so just like you're an outlier. To be declaring that relationships can be violent free. That strong, powerful, meaningful relationships in a child's life can be violent free. In a teenager's life on the street can be violent free. In an adult's life can be violent free, but we don't want to believe that. And until we believe that, I guess children are just going to keep getting abused. And I call it abuse, whether they're being hit, flogged, whooped, whipped, whatever. Whatever. It's abuse. Whatever word you want to use, right. And then, and another thing, kind of piggyback what you're saying, another thing that people use to try to justify what happened to them is like comedy, right? So -hmm. there's all these images of kids getting tortured and terrorized, and we think it's funny. One of the most disturbing videos I've ever seen in my life is Mm -hmm. one that's spread around Facebook, and everyone thinks it's great, and they think it's funny. But it's a a parent or a grandparent, Mm -hmm. and it's a like maybe three, four-year-old child. Uh And the caregiver is trying to 
feed the child and the toddler is like hesitant about eating right so the woman fakes feeding a teddy bear who doesn't eat it and then beats the teddy bear like viciously violently hits this teddy bear like no like no tomorrow in the presence of the toddler Yes. And then the pro- toddler looks scared. He looks like he's visibly scared. Like he tightens up and he grabs his spoon and like shaking, he starts to eat. And everyone thinks it's funny. And you're oh like, this kid God. is terrorized into getting beat to like half to death over not eating his porridge. Like, are you serious? Like, this is not funny. Like this child is seriously afraid of this person who obviously has hit them in the past. Like, they know what it's like to get hit. And they've seen this person hit their teddy bear are now afraid of getting hit themselves. And that this is like bear, a teddy bear, which is probably a, a sim- symbolic to the kid. Right. You know, their precious teddy bear, the thing that they go to sleep with, the thing that they hug when they're feeling scared is now being beat by the person who's... No. Who's threatening them over food. Like, I mean, mind you, I have a toddler. I know it's frustrating to get them to eat. But, like, why yeah. are you... Like, how is threatening them with violence going to make anything that whole situation better like that is the most but yeah but the thing is everyone's laughing about it because they think it's funny because you're disassociating what this actual interaction is it's not funny that this woman got the kid to eat it's this woman is regularly on a regular basis terrorizing a toddler just so she can get get the toddler to do what she wants but if you can't figure a way to outsmart a toddler you probably shouldn't be raising kids bruh (laughs) (laughs) like if you can't like if you can't think of a way to make a toddler do something outside of hitting it, yeah, that's horrible. That's hor. That's just. Not only were they laughing at the terror in the kid's eyes, somebody got their just due, and mm-hmm. and that helps support the idea in their minds that this is okay. Because look, it happened to somebody else, and it got the behavior that the parent was looking for. Ergo, it is okay. The parent like exerted their dominance, yes. and now everything's okay because this toddler is now terrified. But he's eating, but so it's worth it. And it also it also allows the adult who's laughing or thinks this is okay to then continue that same act with somebody they love. If I need to feel powerful in this moment, this is what I need to do. I, I get it. I get it. Not that I have children of my own, but I have enough nieces and nephews and cousins and whatnot to like. Oh, and I'm a pediatrician. Forgot about that. Like <laughs> kids are kids are crazy sometimes. Their world is so different than ours. Imagine having to see the world from two feet. You know, right. like it's just a different space to be in, right? But you got to be patient. These are kids. These are kids. They don't need to be beaten up. I actually have a question for you. Your son, how do you model for him the behavior that is appropriate and safe for this world, for him to so- exist in this world? Right. So like most things, so like in there's different levels, So like extreme mm-hmm. things, like if you don't want them to touch the hot stove and they start going yeah. towards it. Yeah, you do. I do have to grab my kid. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have mm-hmm. like had to physically move him aside. I didn't harm him. I'm just like, no, that's hot. Don't do that. Right. right. But overall, one of the best things I've read, I've read a lot of different things about how to get kids to discipline, because most of us grow up with this mentality that punishment is the only way to do it. Right. You yeah. have to punish. So you have to punish. You have to punish. But one of the really good articles that was read, and they actually did an actual research. It's not just a theory. But Mm -hmm. what you have to do, especially to young children, is show them what their appropriate behavior is or give them alternative, right? You can't just Mm -hmm. say, no, stop doing this. 
Yes. So like a good thing is like my son and my dog. So mm-hmm. kids don't always know how to interact with dogs, right? So he likes right. the dog. He wants to interact with it, but sometimes he'll just go up and hit it. Mm. Right. So you don't, of course, want your toddler you hitting your hundred pound dog for no. a lot of reasons. Right. I do have a, I mean, my dog is very patient, but if ever he was not patient, it would be a problem. But so anyway, so, and you know, he giggles and looks at me, right. So the toddlers, he's looking for two things. One, he wants to interact with the dog and he's looking for attention from me. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead of just saying, stop, stop, I was like, here, let's pet the dog. So then you like, you know, you show him how to actually pet the dog. Right. And show him how, like, you know, what the dog likes. And then Max likes it. And then Khalil gets excited because he realizes that Max is happy and I'm happy. So then the next time he goes around, or actually it takes a couple times. It doesn't, like, with toddlers, nothing ever happens the first time. Right. Like, ever, right. No matter what you're doing. But eventually, <laughs> he, now he gets it. And so he either brings Max a toy, brings Max food, or pets yeah. him. But he ha- doesn't go up and just, like, hit him upside the head anymore. Right. Because right. I kind of showed him what the actual appropriate thing to do is and it's hard as a parent because a lot of times like you're busy you're doing things Mm, and you just want your kid to like stop doing whatever but you also have to kind of give them an alternative like hey instead of that do instead of x do y right i absolutely agree with that and especially if you're getting into like teenagers like it's probably a lot more important than for teenagers right Mm -hmm. because usually they're looking for attention so they realize that they can get attention by misbehaving. Yeah. So if you give them attention by when they're doing the right thing, so like say, hey, instead of telling a dirty joke at dinner, why don't you talk about your school or like something that's not something that's more appropriate, et cetera. Like you kind of have right. to give them attention when they're doing the things that you want them to do versus right. I'm just going to punish you exactly. because it's not that that's been shown to not actually be effective for most kids. I'm not saying you never have to punish your kid. Of course, like you have to have some kind of punishment, except for, especially for extreme things, etc. Consequences. But what, yeah, what more is more important is modeling the behavior you want and giving them options of the things that you want them to do instead of the behavior you don't. Hey there. So we're going to end part one of our conversation right here. Tune in next time when we discuss more techniques for modeling the kind of behavior we want to see our children have in society, where we debunk more myths related to corporal punishment, especially those espoused by the Christian church, and reiterate one more time for violent free relationships in childhood and adulthood. This is the Chi and Khalil Show. We out. Hold it down one time for the West Side. Peace.